for checking out the Hope Culture Church podcast. To learn more and to stay connected, visit www.hopeculturechurch.com or follow us on social media at Hope Culture Church. We hope you enjoy this week's message. All right, good morning. Who's happy to be in the house of the Lord this morning? All right, a few of you. Um, I'm getting over a cold, so I'm going to need your help. I'm going to need your participation and energy and feedback because that will help me as we're going along. This is week four of our series on baggage, live free, travel light. What are we leaving behind? I know some of you have loved it. I've gotten emails. I've gotten some people mentioning things that's going on. I hope it's been helpful for you. It's been helpful for me. And I'm actually, this week is probably the week I personally need the most reminding of. Um, This is a big week. It's an important one. And so as we wrap it up, we're ending on one that I think many of us deal with in different forms. And we'll get there in a minute, but first I wanted to give a little plug for next week. We start our Christmas series. Um, So next week is going to be great. We're going to kick off um, a series called A Child is Born. A Child is Born. And so we're going to talk about um, some of the names of God that are given to Jesus, specifically in a prophecy of Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And it's going to be a great series. So make sure to bring your friends and family for that. We're excited. But this week, week four of the baggage series, we are lear- we're talking about leaving behind our need for approval or our desire to please other people. Anybody struggle with that? A few of you are willing to admit it? Nice. Well, all right, this verse is really the key verse for the message. <clears throat> Proverbs 29, 25 says, Fear of man will prove to be a snare but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. So usually we have like a whole passage or something that we're working through, but we're pulling from Proverbs this week. And Proverbs is a book of wisdom, um, little sayings. So really we just have this one verse. And we have other scriptures we're going to look at, but this is the idea of fear of man is basically a trap, but when we trust in the Lord, we're kept safe. And so I thought it would be fun to do a little self-evaluation, kind of see how are we doing with our fear of man? How are we doing with the need for approval? So I have five statements that you're just going to, in your head, internally check or uncheck, and you're going to see, how did I do? How did I rate? How much do I need other people's approval? So the first sign that you're longing for approval is you worry about what others think. You worry about what others think. That's a pretty obvious one. Um, So if you worry about what others think, you can check that box in your head, give yourself one point. Points are not good, but you can give yourself a point because it makes you feel a little better about it. Um, So maybe you're getting ready to to talk in front of some of your coworkers, and you're not so much stressed about what you're going to say. You're more stressed about how they're going to receive it. You're worried about what they're going to think about it, um, what they're going to say, how they're going to interpret that. Or maybe... um, it's social media. You posted something, and then 12 seconds later, you pulled back out your phone to see if anybody liked it yet, if anybody double-tapped it on Instagram, or how many people have watched your story so far. I don't know if you guys have ever done that. I've definitely never done that. But <laughs> that's another sign that we, we worry about what other people think, or, or we've, we've got to have the house perfectly clean before somebody stops by, or um, you know this thing, you're getting ready to go to an event, you go to the closet, and first you're like, well, I have nothing to wear, which is not true, because you're standing in front of a closet full clothes, so you ask your roommate, or your best friend, or your spouse, somebody, you're like, is this okay? Or if you live alone, you're sending pictures to somebody, you're like, is this outfit okay? And it's because you're worried about what other people think. So that's one, one point. Um, I won't ask you how many points you have at the end. 
The second one, you are often overly sensitive. You're often overly sensitive. You're, you got this new outfit, you just bought it, you know it looks good because the person who sold it to you told you, you look great in that outfit. So you buy it and you go home and you wear it for the first time and no one says anything and you're like bummed out about it. Or a hundred people give you a compliment on something and then one person says something negative about it and that's the only thing you can think about. Maybe you even lost sleep over it. You lose sleep over that one thing that one person said instead of the hundred compliments. You're overly sensitive. You're slow, you're slow to call people back or you're, slow, you're just worried about what people are going to say, that sort of thing. So that's the second indicator you might have a need for approval. The third one is you compromise your values. You compromise your values. So maybe it's at work. Um, you don't want to do this thing, but your boss is like, hey, you know, like maybe you just don't share this information. You're like, but that feels dishonest. That's not really what I'm about. And so, but you do it because you're worried about pleasing somebody else and you just, you're willing to cross that line. Or, or you know, it's in a relationship and, and one of you wants to go farther than the other one and this thing happens and you're like, what if you love me and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, you compromise your values. Or it's, it's hanging around with people who make certain types of jokes that you don't like and you, you aren't willing to say anything because you want to remain friends with them. You compromise your values. The fourth thing is you hesitate sharing your faith. You hesitate sharing your faith because you don't want to be the weird person at work or you don't want to be, you know, ostracized further from your friend group. You're, you're worried about that you're, or you don't want to pray in front of anybody else because you're worried about what they're going to think about it. You hesitate sharing your faith. And the last one is you have a hard time saying no. Maybe some of you struggle with that. You have a hard time saying no. You want to say yes to everybody. Even like you'll be talking to somebody and you're like, I really don't want to do that thing. Don't want to do that thing. I hope they don't ask me about it. And then the person asks you about it. And you're like, oh yeah, of course I'll do it. And then the person you were just talking to is like, what? I just thought you said you didn't want to do that. You have a hard time saying no. Those are five indicators. I won't ask you to raise your hand if you got five points because you are the most embarrassed about having five points because you care about what everybody else thinks. <laughs> but the reality is, Caring about what other people think can be dangerous. It can lead us down a path that's not healthy. Um, in fact, I said becoming obsessed with what other thinks is others think is the easiest way to forget what God thinks. The easiest way to forget what God thinks about you is to be really, really concerned about what everybody else thinks about you. Because I don't know about you, but as you focus on that, you can't focus on what God says yeah, whatever, he says that, but like this person said this, and I'm worried about how this person's going to respond to this, and, and I feel like this is true in this area of my life. And so when we become obsessed with what other people think, we lose sight of what God thinks. And so back to Proverbs 29, 25, our, our verse for the morning, fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Fear of man is a snare. It's an easy trap to fall into because we all want approval. There's this thing inside of us that is longing to be accepted and approved. Um, we see it. It's easier to see it in other people than it is to see in ourselves. You know, maybe you got some grandkids who are in the middle school age range or something like that, and it's just, you just see it. That they just want to fit in so bad that they don't care about anything else. But oftentimes, it's not something that we magically outgrow. It just changes forms throughout our life. We still care about what other people think. Maybe we just care about what they think about the kind of car we drive now. Or maybe we, we care about um, how we, our opinion on this specific thing. We, we still care. It just looks 
different. But the reality is, is that's a trap. The Bible teaches that that's a trap. It's a snare. And this word in Hebrew, mokesh, can obviously mean a trap, like a wild animal, you trap them. But it also can mean that thing that they would hook an animal by in its nose and carry it around and like pull it around. And that's literally, this is really gross, right? And so they're literally, you're being pulled around in a direction because you're trapped by what other people think. You're no longer leading yourself. You're being led by making sure other people approve of you. The fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. I think that the fear of man is not the, but one of. It's close to the greatest limitator in your life. I think it will hold you back more than most things. Um, We see that in our parenting. If If you're a parent, you know, in high school, I was in calculus, and we uh, got done with the class early for the semester, and so the teacher decided we're going to watch Mean Girls, which I don't know how she got that conclusion. That's just what she decided. She's like, we're going to watch Mean Girls because apparently there's calculus in that movie. So for the next three days, we watch this movie over three separate segments, and in one of the scenes, there's the mom. If you've seen the movie, you know, and I'm not recommending it if you haven't. I'm just sharing the story for illustration. The mom is like standing in the mirror. She's like, you're not like the other moms. You're a cool mom. And then she does whatever her kids ask her to do. And so you're limited as a parent when you're looking for approval from your kids. You're limited in the workplace when you're more concerned about how people are going to respond than what you actually think is the best decision. You're limited as a Christian when you're unwilling to share your faith or pray in front of other people or or talk about it because you're worried about how people are going to respond and accept you or reject you or things like that. You're limited as a leader. You're limited in pretty much every sphere of your life when you let how others are going to accept or reject you determine how you're going to act. It's extremely limiting. It's also really idolatry. We're choosing to put people ahead of God and their opinion higher than his opinion. And when, when this happens, really what's happening is that people are becoming too big in our life and God is becoming too small in our life. So what do we do about it? What do we do? How do we overcome the disease of the desire to please? How do we get past the need for approval? And I have two main, main things. The first one is really obvious. Focus on pleasing God instead of pleasing people. And you're like, seriously, I came to church so you could tell me the most obvious thing? Yeah, I did. You did. Galatians 1.10 says this. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. And this is Paul talking to the church in Galatia, and he's saying, this is clearly my motive. My motive is to please God, not to please people. That's the reason I'm doing what I'm doing. Because if I wasn't doing that, then I wouldn't be serving God the way he's asking me to. But it's much easier to say that than it is to actually live that. It's easy to say, yeah, I I care more about what God says than people say, but the question is, if we scored really high on that self-evaluation, even if we marked one or two of them, we probably care more about what people say than we should. And you can't simultaneously live for the applause of people if you're living truly for an audience of one. You can't. They're, They're in conflict. And it is so freeing, as we're talking about baggage in the series and things we're carrying around that we shouldn't be, if you're willing to let go the need for approval, 
It is so freeing. And it's something that I've struggled with in different seasons. So I know exactly how freeing it is or how, how heavy that is to carry around when you're just worried about what other people will think. I remember this moment, <clears throat> and this was kind of a turning moment for me in, in my faith being lived out loud in front of the whole world, is I was, in, I was working at the YMCA, the one right here in Elgin, the Taylor branch, and we, I was part of the, the summer program. We would do activities with kids and, and all these fun things. I, I enjoyed it. It was a great summer job. I did it for, for about four years in a row. And one year, um, we went and did a field trip, which we would do occasionally, and we went roller skating, and one of the other camp counselors fell and jammed his finger really bad. It was one of those ones where it's like instantly black and blue and swollen. Like, you know right away, it's like, ooh, that's not good. You should maybe get that checked out. Anyways, we go back to camp, and he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait it out. I'm going to stay here for the rest of the day and just kind of take it easy um, and still be around. And I went on my lunch break, and I was eating my lunch and just spending some time with the Lord, praying and talking. And I, I felt this thing where I was like, I'm supposed to pray for him. And we'll talk another time about hearing from God and things like that and, and how regular that is and, and, and all of that. But set aside, I felt like this is what I was supposed to do. And so... I was really wrestling with it because I was like already the Christian, you know? I was already the guy who's like a little bit out there and everybody's like, you know, that's fine. We accept you. We love you. You're you're part of the team, all that stuff. But I was like, I don't know if I really want to be like extra weird and like push that farther than I need it to be. You know, everybody already knows where I stand. Um, and, but I'm, like, really wrestling with God about it. I, like, spend my whole lunch break just being like, God, do I really have to? Does it actually matter? Like, is it that big of a deal? So finally, I, I work up the courage to go after my lunch break, and I walk up to him, and I'm like, hey, man, can I pray for your finger? He's like, oh, yeah, sure. And he, like, starts to walk away. I was like, no, I mean, like, right now. And I, he's like, okay. And so he's like, you know, like, like, what else am I supposed to say? You're being weird. I'll, sure, you can pray for my hand. And so I, I remember I prayed for his hand, and um, oftentimes what happens when God does something is the people respond unexpected because they had no faith. He had no faith. He didn't think anything was going to happen. All of a sudden, his hand's feeling better. Like, the swelling visibly goes down, and he's like, what the? And he's like, literally just starts cussing to me, which is a very common response because he's just like, what is going on? And I'm just like, man, God loves you. And he's like moving right now. And like, I share the gospel with him. And then all of a sudden I find out there's all these other Christians who are on staff who have just been like not wanting to talk about Jesus. And now they're all like, oh yeah, you want to hear about Jesus? So they like come and, and they like pile on. I'm like, why do you guys make me do this all by myself? And then um, it was, it was great. We had like, it changed the rest of the summer. We all were talking about God and, and what he's doing in our life and, and things like that. But that wouldn't have happened if I wasn't willing to get past wanting to be liked and needing other people's approval. And how often do we miss out on what God wants to do in our life because we care about what other people think? And not just in the faith realm, but in every area of our life. It's holding you back at work. It's holding you back in school. It's holding you back in relationships because you're worried so much about what other people think. You know, the reality is you can never please any, everybody. You can't. Like, there's oh, no matter what stance you take on something, there's somebody who's going to disagree with you. Like, you, it can be the smallest thing. It could just be like, I really like 
this movie, and somebody will be like, I hate that movie, and now I hate you. No, they don't do that. <laughs> if they do, then you do, whatever. But no, but there's people on both sides of anything. And so the reality is, is you can never please everybody, but you can please God. And you have to make the choice. Am I going to keep trying to please as many people as possible, or am I going to please God, whose opinion matters far more? And so that brings me to the second point. Live from the approval of God instead of for the approval of God. Live from the approval of God instead of for the approval of God. In 1 Thessalonians 2.4, it says this, On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but God who tests our hearts. When we realize that God approves of us, like we talked last week, you know, we're free of guilt and shame. We're made brand new. If you missed last week's message, I encourage you to go listen to it. It was one of my favorites from the series. We're made brand new, and now God approves of us because of Jesus. And when you realize that the creator of the universe is for you, that changes everything. When you realize, God, you approve of me? not because of anything I've done, just because you love me and, and because of the grace I've received, man, that, that makes everybody else's opinion a little less important. And it's freeing. And your worth isn't found in what people say, but in what God says about you. Your worth is found in who God says you are. He created you. He gets to choose the value you have and who he says you are, not everybody else. You won't be liked by everyone. That's the reality. Not everyone will like you. And when you kind of just surrender that and say, God, I, I'm living, I'm living to, for an audience of one. Like, your opinion of me is all that truly matters. That, that's so freeing. And it's a process. And we're going to talk more about how to do that in a second. But um, I wanted to first play this little video of Matthias. So check this out. <laughs> so he went through this phase where we were just telling him all the time you're strong and smart and brave and he really just clung on to the first two he's like I'm strong and smarter and we're like smarter that's fine we'll just roll with it smarter than who I don't know but you're smart and so Matthias he would walk around the house randomly at times like you know he'd be free playing and then all of a sudden he'd get up and he'd be like I'm strong and smart you know that's who I am so then all of a sudden not necessarily like the nicest brother, but very common. Older brothers pick on younger brothers. Judah would be like, Matthias, you're not strong enough to do that. You're too little. And Matthias would just say, I'm strong and smart. Like, this is who I am. Dad said that's who I am. And the reality is, is that when you find out who you are from God, it doesn't, you don't have to define yourself by what everybody else says now. That means we have to actually know who God says we are. That's where the, the real change in our life starts to happen, is when, by faith, we start to accept who God says I am, that I'm a son of God. I'm adopted into his family, that I'm forgiven, that I'm loved, I'm his masterpiece. All these things, when we start to understand who God says we are, there's a lot more freedom to not be stuck on what other people say, just like Matthias. 
you can just be like, this is who I am. I, have an, I know another pastor who, with his daughter, he would always tell her, you know, you were born and, you know, God, heaven is excited that you were born and, like, you were made on purpose and all these things. And so she got to middle school and she started getting bullied and she came home and told her dad about it. And he's like, well, how did you respond? And she's like, I just told him, you know, that it's not that big of a deal. I literally laughed at them because I was like, no, I, I know who I am. My dad told me that heaven threw a party when I was born and I'm made on purpose and all these things. And I'm just like, that's so cool. And how much more from our earthly dads who, who messed up in, in different ways, or some of us have a really bad um, experience there, but our Father in heaven has adopted us into our, his family when we choose to follow him. And he says, I approve of you. I love you. I made you on purpose. You're not here on accident. You have things I, I want you to do. How much more freeing is that? So that when someone points at you and says something, you, you can let it roll off your back. Because you're like, that's not, that's not who I am. And even the part of the problem is we've learned to define ourselves by what we do instead of what God says. And so this is where last week and this week intertwine. Because last week we talked about how we're free from guilt and shame. That we're in this place in God where he views us through Jesus in a place of grace and forgiveness. And so when we mess up, if we sin if we hurt somebody, if we know we did the wrong thing, we sometimes choose to make that our new identity. We say, I'm this. That's who I am. But when we choose to identify ourselves by what we do instead of what God says, we fall right back into guilt and shame. The reality is, you aren't what you do. You are who God says you are. You have to choose, am I going to actually believe what God says about me above what I feel and above what I'm currently experiencing, or am I going to just choose to identify myself through my failures? That will set you free. When you realize that that is not who I am, that's just something I did, you will find so much freedom. And so that's my heart. We're going to just spend a couple minutes going through who God says you are. This is just, it's not an exhaustive list. It's just a few things. The first one is that you are a new creation in Christ. The old is gone. The new has come. You're brand new. You've been born again. You have a new spiritual DNA. You are forgiven and your sins are washed away. You're more than a conqueror through Christ. You're not just a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. You are God's masterpiece, his workmanship his work of art. You are the light of the world. You are greatly loved by God. That's just the first page of it. The next one says, you are filled with the same spirit that raised Christ. You are a joint heir with Christ. You are Christ's ambassador, and you are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are adopted into his family. You're a son or a daughter, and that's who you are. And when you learn to accept that by faith and just live from a place of thankfulness, not only will it set you free from guilt and shame and the baggage of caring about what other people think, it'll also give you the power through him to become who he says you are. We talked about this a little bit, is we are in process of becoming who God says we are. 
That is what sanctification is. It's not, so this is what happens. We are transformed in a moment when we decide to follow Jesus. We're born again. We're, we're in a new place. We're in that place we talked about last week, that room of grace that's opened through the key of faith. And so when we get there, we're a brand new person, but we still have old habits and old ways. And so sanctification is not saying, I am such a sinner and I need to get better as a person. Sanctification is saying, I was a sinner. I was crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And I am going to live my life becoming who God now sees me as and says I am. That's really different than behavior management, than just saying, I need to get better at this. I need to stop doing these things. It allows you to wake up thankful. God, I may have missed the mark yesterday, but I don't have to today. I'm totally forgiven. I'm a son. You've given me power to not have to live that way anymore. Thank you for that. Would you help me to do that? When you live from approval and not for it, it's the most freeing thing there is. And so how do we do that? How do we practically care more about what God says than what people say? How do we live from a place of approval from God and not for the approval of people? Um, it's to present yourself as a living sacrifice. Romans 12:2, one of the most famous verses in the New Testament says this. It says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We need to change the way we think. And verse 1, the verse right before that, tells us how. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true and proper worship. We can't please everyone, but we can please God. And it looks like this daily saying, I'm yours today. Because your mercy, I've received it. I've received your grace and your newness of life. And so I'm giving you my life today. Today I'm walking with you. Help me to think differently. We're being transformed by the renewing of our mind. Help me to think differently. Our theme verse for the whole series was found in 2 Corinthians 10. For, we live, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We need to change the way we think in order to change the way we live. It's not about trying harder. It's about receiving the finished work of Christ in your life. And so this passage in 2 Corinthians 10, when he talks about demolishing strongholds, if you picture a stronghold like a fortress or a castle or things like that, they're used to advance. It's, it's an army is moving, and it's not like where they're permanently camped out. A stronghold is something they temporarily put up to get rest and recruit, recoup and then advance further. So the enemy of our soul is constantly trying to take ground in your life. 
And what he's doing is he finds something that you're believing that's not true, and he sets up camp there for a little bit. He builds a fortress, and he waits, and then he tries to advance again. And so what this passage is saying, if you go back one slide to verses 3 and 4, it says that um, we have the divine power to demolish strongholds. And then verse 5 explains how we do that. Verse 5 says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. What are the strongholds? The strongholds are things we've decided to believe that are not true about God. That's what this passage is saying. We're demolishing arguments and everything that makes itself set up against the truth of who God is. And so what we're going to do is tear down those arguments so that the enemy has no place in our life. And we do that by taking every thought captive and making it obedient to Christ. If you want to walk free and travel light and let go of some of the baggage that you're carrying around, it starts by changing the way you think, renewing your mind in Christ, figuring out what God truly says about himself, about you, about what he's done on the cross. Because as we do that, the lies are torn away. And some of those fortresses have become very strong because we've reinforced them time and time and time again. We've even backed them up with what we think was the truth. And we've heard other people reinforce them in different ways. But the truth remains about who God says we are. If you search the scripture, it's very clear what God thinks about us in Christ. If you're not in Christ yet, that's a different thing. We would love for you to join the family today. But for those of us who've decided to follow Jesus, he's in love with you and he's for you and he approves of you and you're part of his family and you're a co-heir with Christ. You're no longer um, just a sinner, but you're made righteous in God's sight and you, get, you have the inheritance coming that Jesus has and all of these things. That allows you to walk a lot more freely just to say, thank you, I received that. I didn't deserve any of that. But I, I'm, I'm super thankful, and I'm going to try to become who, who you say I am. That's what this series is really all about. And I think as we've talked about guilt and shame, as we've talked about relational baggage and forgiveness, as we've talked about the idea that God loves us and, and all of those things, it starts with the question, will you truly believe it? Because just like grace is received through faith, everything in the Christian life is received through faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing of the Word. We need to get in the Word and not to check it off the box and say, God, did you see that I read the Bible today? Because that's right back to where we started, trying to earn approval. We're, We're getting in the Word so that we can become the Word. That, you know, we can see what God is asking us to be. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The truth is a person. His name is Jesus. He was the word made flesh. And he's asking us to become like him. 
which means we need to understand what the Word says. So this is not a guilt trip message. This is not go home, read your Bible. If you don't, you're a failure. No, this is an invitation to say if you want the freedom that Christ offers, we have to know what He's truly offering and who He says we are. So don't go and just try to to be a good person and, and do the things that you're supposed to. There is good parts of discipline. Paul talks about discipline in the New Testament. But when we're motivated by love, it changes everything. So that's my, that's my heart for you. That's my prayer for you. So what I would love is if we could just take a moment where, if you're willing, just to hold out your hands in a, a receptive position. And I'm just going to pray for us just to, to have God speak to us and move in our hearts and minds this morning. Father, thank you that you love us, that you are for us and not against us. And if you are for us, who could be against us? God, that you, you care about us so deeply and that you want us to be free from the need of approval because you already have approved of us, not because of anything we did. We can't earn it or deserve it, but because of what Jesus has done. We can walk in freedom from guilt and shame, the need of approval from a relational baggage because you've already forgiven us and we're called to forgive others and, and that we can just live life in relationship with you. We'll receive that. Would you speak to each and every person? Would you fill them with your spirit in a new and fresh and powerful way? God, would they wake up not with regret, but with anticipation for living a day with you? Would we wake up thankful instead of scared? We praise you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. The last thing I want to do, as always, is give an invitation for any of you who want that, but you're like, I don't actually know if I'm part of the family of God. I've, I've not lived, like, if we're struggling with living our life from a place of approval instead of for the approval of others, you know, maybe there's an area or two that stood out to us, but some of us were like, I'm living my whole life for myself. You know, I've never decided to follow Jesus. I've never become, become part of the family of God. Well, it's an open and free invitation. He said, anybody who believes, he, he would love for you to make that choice today. And all you have to do is, is acknowledge that you can't do this on your own, that you missed God's perfect standard and that you believe that Jesus died and paid the price for your sins, so that you could have a relationship with God, that you could find the freedom that is offered in Christ and say, you know what, I want to do that. I want to do that today, and I want to do that every day going forward is just say, hey, God, I'm yours now. And if that's you today, I would love to pray with you after service. The whole prayer team is going to be in the back corner, and instead of going to the lobby today, I'm going to head to the back too, and I would love for you just to come up, and, and I would love to just tell you about being part of God's family and pray with you. Um, I'm going to pray one more time, and then we're going to worship God for who he is. Father, thank you again for what you're doing. Thank you that you are setting us free in your midst today. Thank you that it's not by our works, that there's nothing we can do, but it's by your free grace. We receive it, and would we walk in it daily. In Jesus' name, amen.